listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Well, hello, you Star Wars fans out there. Welcome back to Two Sons of Tatooine. I'm one of your hosts, Nathan slash MP Bro, and joining me as always is Jonathan Cohn of the YouTubes. Subscribe to his book review channel, Jonathan Cohn. With that plug, I have fulfilled my legal obligations. <laughs> we have a great episode lined up for you today, discussing Bad Batch Season 2, Episode 3, entitled The Solitary Clone. So let's get right into it. Jonathan, I have to say, starting out, one of the best repos- best written episodes of this show so far. No doubt, felt a little bit like in some parts uh, to be end, or like very, very similar to me. Um, <clears throat> don't know if other people got those vibes or not, but um, Jonathan, what were your thoughts Opening oh. thoughts, anyway. Well, before this episode came out, I saw David W. Collins post and said that, uh, like he said, the episode that's about to come out is my favorite episode of Star Wars <laughs> animated. And I was like, really? Wow, that's pretty high, pretty high praise. And he's worked on all the Star Wars animated shows in their sound departments. So the fact that he was saying this is one of the best, wow. Uh, and so this was one where, you know, normally I, I, I because of school, I get up, you know, for school and don't watch the show until you know then later on uh this time i purposefully set my uh alarm uh and woke up promptly at five o'clock so that i could uh, watch it <laughs> while i was eating breakfast um uh and that was a delight and it got me pumped for the day uh Man. after how awesome an episode it was uh yeah. and i was just like this is like a clone wars episode this is and this is a delightful, like, the writing, it felt so tight. Like, we, oh, as man. soon as they introduced the the opening, I was like, okay, they've set up, like, a, this is the objectives, this is how this has to end, this is where all the set pieces are. I was like, they did a really good job of, like, opening, or, like, setting things up and paying them off in the end. Like, I thought they did a really good job with, mm. with that element of writing. And that's not talking about themes, that's just, like, plot structure and stuff. And then I thought the themes were also good. And... Um, the, the setting of this one may, uh, has reminded me of a fam- famous, uh, movie sequence that we can talk about oh. when we get there. Mm. So yeah, I, yeah. I, as I like you, I really liked this episode. One of my favorites. Uh, it was written by Amanda Rose Munoz, who has done some work on season one of Bad Batch. Um, but she was a writer on Kung Fu Panda 3. Uh, she did some episodes of Resistance, and she did uh, a couple episodes of Tales of the Jedi. Um, I'm tr- trying to remember which of the... Okay, she did episode four, which was our favorite. Really? And she also wrote episode six. Well, well Tales of the Jedi... Well, well, Tales of the Jedi, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about that, because that was all written by Filoni. She may have been the story editor on those... But she didn't necessarily okay. write the scripts because Filoni actually she has wrote the scripts. writing credits. But yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Filoni actually wrote the scripts on all six of them. But um, she was involved. But uh, was yeah, so she's no stranger really, to Star Wars. Very, yeah, she's definitely got her hands in that. Even though she didn't direct any Clone Wars, she was able to not only nail the Clone Wars feel, but uh, absolutely like bring us back at moments into like. Man, this feels very, very nostalgic 
and yet it's so much more tonally grown up and sad and tragic than it's all the payoff that you get having watched Clone Wars that this this episode has to have definitely meant a lot more to you, I feel. This episode overall felt like a mirror of one of the season one episodes of Clone Wars, but done way more heavy. Uh, we've actually reviewed this episode. Uh, remember the episode on Ryloth where um, uh, Obi-Wan and his clone troopers have to go down and take out, like, you know, it's while Anakin's dealing with the sky stuff and uh, uh, Mace Windu's going to the big, big city, Obi-Wan has to take out a little teeny tiny town. And he has to bring in some troops. And the way that they use the people for hostages and that, and the way that the clones come in and have to use droid poppers, and, like, the fight sequences in this have a lot of similarities Mm. to that episode. But this is a much deeper, I think, much, much more layered episode than that Clone Wars mm. episode. And then also there's a little bit of Rebels in here. Um, uh, the shots of Crosshair uh, in mm. his room and eating by himself kind of evoke how you had Callus all by himself. And after that episode where he's with Zeb and he has this mm. like bonding time with Zeb, he comes back to the Empire and nobody greets him and no one hangs out with him. And he goes all alone and he's sad in his apartment, in his little... Uh, his little barracks apartment, and so this really reminded me of 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 those sequences with Callus that I think that they're really foreshadowing Crosshair's turn mm-hmm. eventually. Man, I I I agree with what what you just said, but you know the the thing that I would say is the like standout, just huge overarching thing triumph of this episode is the way that it presents us to the theme. Of, uh, of kind of crosshair. What responsibility does he have in his actions? Yeah, and he's been he's been presented with chances to to join. He even had like this whole thing about the chip, and you know, in season one, this big bum 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 moment was he already had his chip removed, and he still was with the empire. Yeah, and so right. Like, wow, you know, so he he made the choice. But this moral implication is done just so well. And, you know, George seems to, uh, he, he often did this, you know, beautiful, like, hey, John Williams, do your thing, and I'm going to give a big scenery moment. And then we'll have Anakin brooding, and we'll have Obi-Wan looking off in the distance, or Padme, and just kind of feel the moment, and just feel everything, and let the weight of it sink in. And our characters are thinking, but the audience is feeling what they're thinking. And this episode just perfectly took one out of George's playbook Absolutely. for that. And Kevin Kiner's music, can we just mm. stop and appreciate mm-hmm. So good! <laughs> this... Well, my, this was my favorite Kevin Counter soundtrack since, I'll have to say, since the ep, the last uh, episode of Clone Wars, the finale that he did with, um, uh, was it the name of the victory and defeat? Vi- victory or and death. Victory or and victory death. death. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That, that one. That was so a good. That was a good beautiful. soundtrack from him. I still really like uh, the tracks. From when uh, uh, Cad Bane enters uh, <clears throat> in Bad Batch, the ba da ba ba da ba ba. I thought that whole those are good music. But, that, but that's not this like a whole, is my whole style of like this is my absolutely my style. That smooth ambient dark. 
kind yeah. of sad music, mm-hmm. it's just right at my oh, own. They, and, and, and in terms of did, preference. He did do a really good job with it. Um, oh, yeah. uh, as we've been saying every episode, but it always needs to be said, give Kevin Kiner a movie and give him a TV show. Mm. Like, he's he's more mm. than earned it. Um, <clears throat> but I, I did think, I th- thought the music was well done here. Um, uh, but, but the thing I was thinking of here is this is what's making me really happy, is I've been concerned for a while that Star, the only thing keeping the the visual aspects, movies and television of Star Wars alive, really was Filoni, because we had Mandalorian and we had Book of Boba Fett and we had you know the the Clone Wars and Rebels and like all the great stuff of Star Wars was Filoni and even the beginning of Bad Batch, you know, he wrote I think the first episode and was an executive producer on all the on it and still is, but. This, you know, is an episode, he didn't direct it, he didn't write it, and he's really, you can tell he's more just executive producing this, and yet it still feels indelibly like a Dave Filoni show, and it, it, I think this, this demonstrates that the writers and directors and, and everyone involved in this series gets the style that Star Wars animation needs to do, and it's proven that, so you don't necessarily need to have him, as long as you get that style right, you know, it, it'll work. And so that gives me hope because now this means that he can probably, he doesn't need to be involved in the animation anymore. He can move exclusively to the live action. And so we mm-hmm. can get excellent stuff everywhere. And so I just think this just, I, I this, this gives me a lot of hope um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. because, and, and also this gives me hope for the direction of the season because they could have just done another adventure of the week this episode and saved this one right. for later in the season. But they said, mm-hmm. no, we want to remind you in the third episode, Crosshair's still there and we've still got a journey for him's character to take. Um, mm. So they're yeah. now, unfortunately, from what I've heard, four, five and six, the next three weeks are going to be the, the, the slog of this season. Uh, the, every reviewer says this is the weakest part of it, um, mm. uh, four, five, and six. But but then they say seven and on is like the best Bad Batch ever gets. So hopefully that's true. Mm. But this at least this episode proves you can do a standalone episode. Like this, it really is a very stand, much a very standalone. standalone but, but it has themes that will for sure impact the future. Gosh, yeah, I guess you're right. I, I hope we can find the next kind of Dave or somebody young through this process who comes along and starts to develop in their talent. And, and maybe that is Jennifer um, Corbett. I don't know. Maybe we need to give her more time to maybe, maybe she needs to, to determine that maybe she needs an, a show she creates entirely um, mm-hmm. without Dave. Uh, but, but yeah, I don't know who that, like I, we don't have that specific person we can, we can point to yet. So this was directed by Saul Ruiz. Who has done a lot of animation recently. He did, Tales he, Jedi. He, yeah, he Bad did Batch. my least. Well, in, in Clone Wars, the final season, he did the Martez sisters arc. Yeah, but I that can't was... blame him for the fact yeah. that he had to do those. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, that was what he was given to do. Uh, but he did, you know, about, you know, five or six, seven episodes of season one of Bad Batch. He did some Tales of the Jedi also. He, he has some directing credits on those. So he's experienced... It was... But for some reason, you know, this was just the perfect content and direction, writing, everything. It was very cinematic. It was very comprehensive and clear. The narrative from beginning to end was 
was very plain, and they very much understood the theme they're trying to get across. All the foreshadowing now is perfectly set up for uh, whatever kind of Crosshair's journey is going to be. I really love that the approach to what we would call... um, you know, the, the fan stuff that we would love, the Easter egg of Cody showing up, or people sometimes say fan service, that wasn't handled in a very, like, in-your-face, you know, kind of way. It was just, it was done with, with class without feeling like fan service, it was, and yet... It was a delicate part of the story. Like, you couldn't, you, yeah. had, to, you had to have Cody to make this story <clears throat> mm-hmm. work. And, like, they could have... They could have just made it another clone commander that we've never met before, but it mm-hmm. gives it. But but they were able to tell the story with emotional impact because it's Cody, mm-hmm. because it's someone not only someone that we know, but it's someone who has tried to kill one of our favorite characters, someone mm-hmm. who has, you know, someone who like Rex. When the Clone Wars started, Rex was already more. Was was more uh, defined than Cody was because in the Clone Wars TV show he just has a bigger personality, uh, and he's more independently minded. Whereas Rex is, more, or whereas Cody's more followed the rules. But also, Rex, we didn't know what happened with him with Order sixty six. We've known all along, Cody tried or like you know shot. Um, Kenobi and and turned against him. And so we've always Mm -hmm. had this air of knowing, oh, you turn and we don't really like you because you turned. And so, like, there's not many people who would say Cody's their favorite clone compared to those who would say Rex, I think. Um, So Hmm. because you already have that element of you're angry at him for this, but you see his remorse and his realization of what he's done and his realization that he needs to turn. And at the end of the episode, him willing to set down his blaster, uh, you knew you knew uh, it had to be crosshair to, to pull the trigger. But the fact that Cody lays down his blaster shows his intense growth in this episode and really mm-hmm. in, 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 in all of Star Wars. And it was just like now all of a sudden he catapults up into a favorites list and now there's a bunch of articles saying, is, is, is uh, talking about him now. Mm. So think back to the, the, like, the moment you just talked about um, <clears throat> with Cody and obviously the chips, we went through that whole thing in the first season of Bad Batch and the end of Clone Wars, so we get it. But before these chips were a part of canon, there were, you know, even in video games, there were kind of the this, the portrayal was that the clones knew that this order existed and Order 66 was a part of set of memorized orders. So, like, you know, you knew, like, they kind of knew what they were doing. The ones that were on their way to the Jedi Temple, like, they knew what Order 66 was and what they were about to get yeah. into. Um <clears throat> So it's weirdly enough, in retrospect from Cody's perspective, I think like in his mind, the regret that he's talking about and the sadness regarding living with the choices, the consequences Mm -hmm. of Order 66 is really what he's alluding to. That is something that he is taking responsibility for and other clones who have turned are, are taking responsibility for, even though... They themselves were not to blame for those actions, which is a really, really twisted thing to think about. And I'm sure that they need counseling for that. There's, oh. there's more to do. I mean, but just think about the weight of that on their head. And 
Cody, the way that he portrays that question is the perfect way this episode could end. Not only with the music, but, and, you know, we're getting ahead, but this memorial that's basically covered with names. Uh, we can't read the names. I guess it's in Orabash, but I would assume the Battle Mon- Mon- Monument has clone warrior or clone soldiers numbers and um, probably other Nicknames. people who have died yeah. in service in of the Empire. And just the fact that they're standing in front of that, and that's when he, he's inspired by this question. And Crosshair, interestingly enough, he's just cold, mechanical, you know. Yeah. And his answer is that we're just following orders. We're just a part of the system. <clears throat> you know, everybody's got to be a part of the system. We're just a, another wheel on the cog. If we don't do it, somebody else will. And they're just going to hire somebody else to, to come in and replace us, which they already alluded to in mm-hmm. that previous or, you know, 10, 20 minutes ago in the episode, they talked about a bill, a bill to expand the defense force. Yep. You know, they're just casually mentioning it. So Crosshair knows all this. <clears throat> but at what point does he take responsibility and say, it's not just, you know, the person who's above me pointing the finger, shoot, it's me who, who actually did that. I made a choice. Cody breached, he breaks, you know, that point has crossed the line and he is at this episode, as of this moment, he is AWOL, just like Rex. I feel like the next time we see him, he will probably be on the side of the resistance rebellion or whatever. However, <laughs> at the very I don't least, think not, you know, maybe, and maybe ahead. they can spackle this. Maybe they can, they can fix <clears throat> this, but I, I feel like Cody should not <clears throat> find Rex. Um, I don't I, know. I, I don't remember if they if they're in the trailer at all together, but I just feel like there's a line in um uh I I don't know if it was in Bad Batch or if it was in uh, Rebels when when Rex says um uh you know he was talking about all those clones he tried to to reach to save and he couldn't save Cody. It feels like that doesn't necessarily pan out if 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 they actually have any interaction now because. Now Cody's been redeemed, but maybe they could say, "Oh, that was during the actual Clone Wars. Once it was over, that's when um, uh, that's when Cody finally turned over." But still, mm. uh, I'm interested to see how they'll handle that. A lot of people are like, "He should go to Tatooine and apologize to Kenobi on Tatooine," and like, they, they, "There needs to be another Kenobi season part two. And I was like, "I don't, mm. I don't think they're gonna go there, and I don't think they should. I think they sh- they should leave that a mystery, maybe." Hmm. Can we go back to another Cody moment then yeah. before we get off of Cody? The moment you talked about a second ago with him laying down his blaster. Yeah. <clears throat> so you look at two or three different perspectives. You've got the perspective of Crosshair who kind of looks at his commander, follows his lead. Um, but the second that he's told to do something else immediately pulls the trigger. Mm-hmm. You've got the perspective of this Imperial officer who, sees Cody basically lay it all on the line, convincingly, you know, makes his case, pleads, and actually wins over the argument and gets her to back down, let him go. And then this officer immediately, without having been touched at all, without having any remorse, orders her execution. Yeah. And then you've got, of course, the the governor of uh, Dexus. What's the name of this place? Drexus? Uh, Drexus? 
Desix. Desix, that's it. Yeah, Desix. So Desix, <clears throat> they said it like four times in the episode. Yeah. It's a, it's a, um, the governor immediately, she is the only person who really understands Cody. And it's mm-hmm. so sad for us because what she is, what she is doing is responding to Republic Cody. This yeah. is an Empire Cody. This is a guy who he has the morals, the values and ideals of the Republic. And that's gone. And it's so sad. It's so tragic that she would believe him and then immediately be betrayed. And she's she's instantly likable because she seems like this politician who actually is like in the trenches with her people. She doesn't appear to be, even though she's in a palace kind of, she doesn't appear to be living in opulence. She doesn't appear to be like uh, holding it over everyone. She dresses her, the outfit she's in is the same type of outfit that all her guards wear. Like she just looks kind of like a normal person. And so you, it also, makes you kind of empathize with her anyway because you you for one you already don't like the empire but for two you're like hey this is actually this is a good governor mm. this is someone who understands yeah. her people and now the the empire's sending in this carpetbagger who's trying to come in who's not from the planet and you can imagine this is a guy who thinks oh yeah I'm going to be a governor of a planet yes woo I'm like going to be like Tarkin or something it's going to be awesome and then it's like Desix didn't they rebel? Really? Desix? I have to work on Desix? And then he just, he, he realizes <laughs> in that opening shot, you see how sad he is and how like stressed he is about the, the job. And you just see how, you know, she's a born leader and this is like naturally the right place for her. And you can tell this is just not going to be like, if we stayed on Desix long term, this guy's not going to last long as a governor. He's just, there's no way he does. Gosh, what if the Empire had recruited her? What if they had yeah. taken and gotten good people, you know? You know, somehow the Empire just always seemed to end up with mostly terrible people because they influenced their way to that position by ignoble gain, political mis-whatever. And, you know, that, that whole game to advance people just resulted in tons and tons of really bad positionings. Well, imagine but, if they had put Cody... As the governor, yeah. like, may, like that would have been that would have been a really interesting turn because he would have combined the velvet glove and the iron fist. The idea of he's going to be a hard <clears throat> leader and he's going to get things out of there that the empire wants, but the people aren't going to hate him for it. They're going to understand him and and maybe empathize with him. So that would have been hmm. he might have been an interesting choice for governor. I don't understand the empires. That's one of those things. Is is who is back there, you know, just picking the most cruel people <laughs> yeah. to to be put in power here? Um, she would have been she would have been a fantastic. So a little bit of backstory too. So her character, we saw um, Tawny Ames. She was in the Clone Wars. She was a separatist member who makes a case in front of the separatist uh, Senate. You know, for peace, she makes a case, and I, so this is somebody that has the history of pleading for peace to back it up. She just didn't realize that, frankly, Count Dooku was manipulating all of that. Unfortunately, peace wasn't an option. Which, man, that line, peace was never an option. Did you smirk at that line at all? <laughs> I, or, uh, I have. 
I have, you know, a bunch of students who say that line all the time, and so I already, like, am familiar with that meme, so I did snicker with that. Yeah, sometimes uh, meme culture is just too expansive <laughs> and it occasionally makes its way into, you know, I guess any, any serious moment. Mm-hmm. And that serious moment is immediately diminished. Um, if you're not familiar with the peace is never an option meme, you take like a, like a chicken or like a non-threatening <laughs> bird and put like a, a, a knife or a hatchet or something near it. You know, it's, it's just like, it's about to kill you. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so the, <laughs> the, the moment though, you know, it's, it's so important that, you know, you think about this character and the, why she's able to become, you know, kind of convinced by Cody. It's because the separatists, betrayed her, Count Duca, whether or not she found out or not. But all of that, they chose a great character. Cody was the perfect character. They just, they chose characters with back his, backstories that yeah. lined up. It just made so much weight here. Let's talk more about the whole, you know, something totally different. All of the choreography of the fights. Okay. Yes. So much good stuff, right? So first I want to talk about the the, the landscape, which by the way, this was a beautiful episode. It, it looked, the, 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 the wide shots... All the, all the shots looked great. But, so the kind of palace, city, capital, whatever, um, you know, the, the, the main location of this, to me, I was, I was alluding to this earlier, <clears throat> it reminded me of Helm's Deep um, for a couple of reasons. One is you have that long bridge, basically, that leads up uh, to, to the entrance that the clones have to, to climb their way up. Um, uh, and the way it kind of curves goes going upward reminded me of that. But also during the episode, <clears throat> when the clones are basically sneaking in, uh, there are some times where they go through some of the walls that look just like the interior walls of Helm's Deep. Um, uh, hmm. Particularly the moment in Helm's Deep where you see Aragorn yell- calling for the retreat and they're all trying to get inside into the keep. And you see the mm-hmm. orcs or like the orokai. That's the moment they they overrun, and you can't tell which is an orokai and which is an elf and which is a, a, a human because they're all running in at the one same time. The, there's some mm. shots in here that I think evoke that imagery a lot. Did did you get that at all? Mm. Yeah, I like the design of it is very much like a fortress, um, but weirdly enough, they're also throughout these kind of like. It looks like they're they're underground, probably because it's a very dusty red planet. They have sandstorms, I would guess. Probably, and so the streets and things like that are are you. They probably look like they're not underground, but like dug like trenches. Yeah. Um, at least for for a lot of it, um, for just the where the civilians might live, and then so it's but it also makes it kind of tricky to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not like big wide open streets. It's more like winding tunnels and things. Um. Yeah, and then of course the the there's a big staircase, like there was just big one entrance to the castle area, um, <clears throat> just like Helm's Deep. So I can kind of see that reference. Uh, no really really cool horn of of Helm's Hammerhand, mm. but besides that, uh, <laughs> no. Hey, how about the um, the Droidicas? One yeah. thing was the fear involved. Uh, there was you know a great job with the sound engineering, but also just, you know, I, the thought it crossed my mind so many times, like who, but the clones, 
could even handle these droids. If it was anybody, if it was regular stormtroopers, they'd have to send hundreds of them. Yep. They'd have to send just even probably more than that mm-hmm. to, to, to do this exact same mission. And here you've got, you know, basically a small ragtag group. Like at the end, you know, there might have been like six of them left, like four clones or something like that. You know, and then a couple of stormtroopers who were captured. But this was amazing what they were able to pull off. And, you know, it was also like super bonding time because like, you know, we have clankers. They're calling them and and we're seeing all these guys. I just uh, yeah, I think the Droidicas were a big, big hit. I think Matthew Wood. Oh my gosh, he is like coming back to do his lines as you know. Oh, there was the B two battle droids. Well, there was one particular line that was pretty hilarious when they're <clears> holding <throat> him. Uh, oh, I forgot the line, but there's. I'll, I'll see if I can find it. Uh, but I thought that I noticed at the beginning of the episode. I thought it was just gonna be Cody and uh, and Crosshair. Uh, going. I didn't realize it was going to be a full team. And then you have a full team there, and it's a bunch of no-names. And I thought to myself, oh, these are just like a bunch of red shirts uh, from Star Trek. Uh, and it turned <laughs> out mostly they were, because most of them get peeled off and killed, and you see them individually. And that was a very Clone Wars thing, where they would have, like, they, you, you, your team, the team would be like a Jedi and maybe uh, a commander, uh, one named clone and like 10 unnamed clones. And then as the episode progressed, slowly but surely, all the unnamed clones would die. And then you were left with like the Jedi and the the commander and maybe one named clone, if that. But it was a very Clone Wars trope to slowly diminish the team down to just the characters mm. you know anymore. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and yes. that's exactly what they did here, which is one of the reasons like it's just that's not necessarily something that a lot of people are going to specify, but it's just one of those touchstones that made this feel like not only Star Wars, but specifically like Clone Wars. Like it just had that feeling to it because that's totally a trope that they did all the time. Then. Yeah. And there's a cost. Every Clone Wars episode, we saw clone troopers die. Yeah. We saw them die here. We saw the cost of, I mean, there are millions of them that were created, you know, a million more, whatever they said, but each episode we see death. And I know they're used to it, but man, it felt significant here because you know that dwindling number of clones is not going to be replenished, and mm-hmm. there's less and less of them every time they are on a mission, every time that they lose something, you know? So I felt that weight even more so. Hey, I saw a tweet from um, <clears throat> one of the voice actors from this episode, uh, Shelby Young. Did you know she is the voice actor for the... Uh, tactical droids in all of the Clone Wars. Oh, really? So she was able to be... Yeah. She returned this episode. She was happy to bring her voice talents back. It was good to have her back. And I think she also did, like, some of the PA voice. She was credited for doing that in the the, uh, after credits of this episode. But uh, very nice to have her back alongside of, of course, Matthew Wood we mentioned. He was... He must just sit back there and have so much fun. He's... Yeah, the characters of these battle droids, I I fully have embraced their you know, their humor. It some people probably still think it's juvenile, but every time they're on screen, it's 
it's like, oh, I'm, I'm about to laugh at something stupid. And one um, of the reasons <clears throat> that it's so easy for them to do it is because Matthew Wood is in charge of all the sound design for Lucasfilm. Like, he's in charge of mm-hmm. all... Like, he is the Ben Burt of modern Lucasfilm. And so because of that, um, he is... Uh, uh, he's in the sound stages every time they do audio. So it's super easy for him in charge of all the audio stuff to just walk on over and just get in the booth, do his lines, which, you know, just a handful of lines for the battle droids, walk out, uh, he's done all his stuff. So it's that's yeah. why, like, if, the, if there can be battle droids, there will be battle droids because he, he's always present for it. So Crosshair had a few really impressive shots this episode. Um, we've seen again that he's able to use kind of uh, rebounding little spheres that he throws, that which is are so really weird. super, super cool. I don't know. Uh, time kind of slows down for him. He has just <laughs> a splinter of a second to perfectly line up these shots, but it's ridiculously impressive the way that he's able to do that. Um, but not only that, but he's able to take down a an ATT uh he just basically waits. He he baits shoots it towards him and he shoots it right up, just straight up the urethra, so to say, <laughs> and just takes this thing out. And and it just you know it just that's one way to take one out. I I assume Cody was severely impressed or well, seriously I, impressed. I wonder why they don't do that more often because it makes sense that like you know it's kind of like the thing in Andor where he, where if you were to shoot the um the gunpowder, it's gonna explode. Uh, and so that's why he throws the bomb and it goes near all the explosion devices, which is why they cause the big explosion in the finale. I'm like, why don't you guys do that every time? Always aim for the gun of, of the tank. Always aim for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why this is yeah. like the first time we've seen this on screen. Should have a, um, have a, have a meme at the end of that shot, you know, crosshair makes the shot and then you have Han Solo flying. Woo. That was one in a million kids. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Um, and, and, you know, then you have the Death Star explode. Um, <clears throat> now, Crosshair, what he added to the Bad Batch, as formidable as they are without him, he really seriously brought a, a you know, cover fire yeah. from anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and kind of, you know, in the previous episode, without somebody as their lookout kind of telling them yeah. they really messed up. That's mm-hmm. kind of what happened with That's them. That's a good point. You see in the last episode their weaknesses, and then in this episode you understand why that's a weakness for them. It's, it's, mm-hmm. like, it's like, okay, this is what they need. This is who can provide it. Uh, uh, yeah. Maybe we can bring it back. No, if they had had Crosshair, it's very likely that the last mission could have succeeded. And they'd have a whole lot of, of, of jewels or war chest, war chest. I don't know they if they are planning on having him turn this season, but he's got to turn. Know. He's got to like, they're like at this point, <clears throat> they're the, the foreshadowing and the setup and payoff. And like, it's, so we see him, it's gotta happen. I think. We see him. I think so. Even the other clones, he sits down and they, they, they move they away move. from him. And it's like oh. middle school lunch. And it's then it's like, uh, and then being both bullied times, all over again. And both times <clears throat> they call him in the middle of eating and he has to go straight away. Yeah. I was like, man, yeah. I, I, poor, poor Crosshair. Just let him finish his food, man. <laughs> they had to do it. They wrote it that way, I guess. But um, his, you know, I think about it too. You know, 
why am I not serving under Commander Cody? And he's like, who? <laughs> and he's like, you know, uh, CT224, whatever. And he's like, oh, yes. The way that they treat him, um, it's shown over and over again that he has no reason he has no he has no reason to be loyal. I think they even asked it early in the episode. You know, why did you come back? Mm-hmm. Um, Thirty two rotations or something like that. He spent on Camino, abandoned, um, or was it Camino? No, it was another place uh, with the Camino base where they ended the season. Anyway, they they have really painted him into this question, and he has to think about the answer. What is that answer going to be, and when is he going to break, so to speak? I don't know. Um, <clears throat> we already know he wasn't loyal to the batch. Would they forgive him? Eventually, I think they would. Would, but would he? What would motivate him? He's he he gives the answer here. It's like he's been worn down because. What do you think of the statement? We're just following orders. Well, does that mean you would follow Hunter's orders? Would you follow the orders of if there's General? So in, in the in the Rebel Alliance, you know, mm-hmm. you know, General Nadine, General Skywalker, whoever else, you know, there's plenty of possibilities there. But who's going to make that argument that finally makes sense to, to cross here? I'm just thinking about that because that is compelling to me that so well this episode. Yeah. And I don't know whether whether he would just say, you know, crosshairs given the orders and I'll just <clears> follow them. I feel like. I feel like he would, he will eventually go back and and give, and and want to get redemption, but I feel like all the clones at this point, I think I think this would be the way I would do it is all the other clones, Echo, and Tech and Wrecker and even Omega would all be willing to accept him back, but I think it'd be interesting if Hunter is the one person who's like, no, dude, you like tried to kill us. <laughs> Like mm. if Hunter's the one person who 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 won't have him back, who won't let him uh, take orders, like uh, they maybe, would all need convincing. Yeah. Obviously, I'm not saying it'd be easy. Oh no, it would. Um, and and that's a story for a later time because right now we just got to get to the point where that he would choose to. Yeah. Um, that he would decide that's that's the right course of action. And they're um, laying the groundwork. They're 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 slowly getting there. Um, uh, it just depends on how many crosshair episodes we have this season. You know, if this is the only one, eh, it probably won't happen until next season. But if we get a couple more, one or two more crosshair episodes, eh, <clears throat> maybe. I mean, it took us it took us till like the end of season three to get Callus to turn mm-hmm. in Rebels. Well, what's his motivation? Does, does the Empire has to be thinking? Well, we just don't care about crosshair. If he stays, he stays. If not, we'll just kill him. Um, cause they've, they've taken away his command. They treat him like garbage and he still keeps coming back and doing good work for him. So they're like, well, we'll give you an assignment. We just don't trust you to run things just anymore. Um, we'll put you under somebody else. Um, and eventually, okay, whatever is that, but what are they going to do? Are they going to care about him? Are they going to be impressed by him enough to advance him? Or something. I don't know. Is he going to be... Because he doesn't have ambition. He's not a character like this, you know, like this governor who just immediately is like, kill her. He's not that type of character. He's not a bad character with evil that sets out to do evil. Um, You know, 
another thing, small thing in this episode is the the doorway. As Cody and and Crosshair come through these streets, they come across a just a child and a yeah. mother. Yeah. Uh, and this, you know, this immediate reaction of fear. Cody's like, wait, 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 no, we're the good guys. We're here to help. And all throughout the Republic, all throughout his career as a as a soldier for them, that's all he was. And now he he's still holding on to that. <clears throat> and that's kind of what drives him. And that's really the breaking point is the fear they see, you know, the fear. And, and as they leave, we get to see those people again that are like just being pushed around, probably into some camp or labor or something. You know, it's a dark depiction of the Empire that we get here. And terrifyingly, tragically, beautifully done. Just a fantastic episode. Right. Um, <clears throat> I called it a masterpiece. Uh, I think it's the best episode of Bad Batch uh, that if we've we're gotten. If we're talking about single, like as a single episode, I oh, might yeah. put the f- premiere just a tad, like just I on would, the same level. Not even close the, the to premiere me. Even wasn't as deep, but it was so entertaining. I loved the, the premiere, um, but, but I like deep. Yeah, yeah, I like deep and yeah. thought provoking. And I, I like. Deep I've had stuff. a lot to say about this episode, yeah. so I, you can I, tell. I, I I like deep and thought provoking too, but at the same time, I also really like my big, big fun entertainment episodes. Um, uh, <clears throat> for instance, sure, my loves, favorite. But... I like. I, I mentioned this earlier. My favorite scene of the Bad Batch is Cad Bane's entrance, but I don't particularly love that episode. Like, I don't want to rewatch that episode because the rest of the episode I think is fine. It's just that one sequence. <clears throat> and then, whereas this episode is solid, really well done throughout. And I think that, like, the pair of episodes where they go to Ryloth is really rewatchable and lots of fun. And I think the premiere of the first season is <coughs> lots of fun. But I think that this episode is probably, as a single episode, <clears throat> one of the most rewatchable, one of the most well done, one of the most, you know, deep, for sure the most deep, but just well crafted, as you said. Episodes of the show thus far, mm-hmm. um, so it's it, it is it is a good feat of storytelling. Uh, so. Do we need to ask the question of <clears throat> is this episode good as a bad batch episode because it's not really a bad batch episode? Crosshair is there, but this like this is not a typical episode. Like like you're right. It is if you, if you compare this to an adventure with Omega being a kid. Frankly, and this is, you know, a, a child show it, it aimed towards. I mean, it's at least, at the very least, it's watchable by kids. Mm-hmm. But it's Star Wars has always been for everyone, yeah. um, but aimed towards kids. So, uh, I think, yeah. I still think it's a good Bad Batch episode because it is exploring <clears throat> the themes that the Bad Batch has been exploring this whole time. Um, mm-hmm. It feels very thematically consistent. Um, and, of course, the Crosshair is... Because if, if, if they intended for Crosshair never to rejoin them, I don't. Th- I think that after season one, they would have ignored him more. I don't think that they would use him as much. Um, mm-hmm. But since uh, he is... Well, even so, rejoin may not be the right answer. Maybe, maybe right he answer, but, will but just... Turn. Just try to... T- yeah, yeah, and turn, yeah, turn. And the Empire may... He may end up sacrificing himself and never come back. That, yeah, that, may, that I could see. But I, yeah. they, they have something planned for him that connects to the Bad Batch, which is why this is oh, yeah. involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, it's, yeah, it, it is a good episode of the Bad Batch. But it's also Clone Wars Season 8, if you want to <laughs> call it that. Well, you know, I'm not going to complain about Omega 
I've gotten used to her. I accept her. I I like Re- Wrecker. I like the other characters. I really do. Uh, this episode to me was a ten out of ten. Okay, yeah, and I, I will, really I will, really mean. I will, that. I will like I will hedge and I will say nine point eight, just or okay. maybe nine point seven. Okay. But like like. Mm, I will sure accept I that. I'm not sure I, I would call it like a perfect episode. Um, I think it needed like if 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 Kaina had made a new hummable theme for this episode, like a new. Oh, he did. I can't did? wait for this. I've been looking for the soundtrack because I've been watching the episode. Uh, yeah, I've been watching the episode just the whole last really about six five minutes. There's not much talking except for the one kind of scene, and then um, with Cody and Crosshair, and then again the scene with uh, uh, Rampart and Crosshair later on. Yeah. Those two scenes is it. <clears throat> the rest is just music. I will, and I've been just listening to it. It's maybe I need to, maybe I need so to rewatch good. it to get, under, to get that part from it. But I will say mm. the, like they, this <clears throat> is something that television does sometimes that it's one of those. I have to just accept it. When it went to the credits, they had the somberish music playing. And mm, I was wonderful. like, that's the right music tonally. You want the audience to keep feeling the somberness afterwards. So this is tonally the right music. But to me, the second a Bad Batch episode ends, I love having the ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Like, I just love that feeling that that sure. energy I, has. Sure, I like that. And so, like... It wasn't fitting. It either, wasn't so fitting. I'm glad they didn't do it. It's so it's one of those things that it's like I would have preferred that Bad Batch theme, but I have to respect that they didn't do that. Like in um, it's kind of like in in Game of Thrones. I loved when the epic music at the end of an episode would carry over, but the episode with the Red Wedding, there's literally no music. It's just silent, and it's like I would have loved to have some great Game of Thrones music there, but it works when to they make have... that a silent. Reigns of Castamere. Yeah, but that when the when the credits roll, there's no music. There's no credit. There's no music during Proud the credits. Proud Lord said, "Yes, there is." Not uh, not that's during when Reigns of Castamere first plays. No, no, no. During the episode, it premieres, but during but not not during the credits. During the credits, it's it's silence. There's just the it's, it's just the visual credits. When is it sung then? During there's the a, episode a, when they're when when they're about to be killed. But, no, uh, in the credits, there's oh, there it's in is a couple a of other episodes. It, it's it's played through in several At episodes. The, it's not that episode. The first though. time it's the first time it's sung is in a, in is in previous the previous episode. Yeah, it's not, but it's not that episode. That episode is because I re I was rewatching that recently, and it's just oh, okay. it just goes into silence, <clears throat> and you're just like oh, we're way off my. topic. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. We didn't because we, they we, play it at the red wedding. They but do. Then they, I thought that they sing it. Not that episode. Right at the end of that episode, no. in the credits, there's the deep, low voice man sings, it, you, and that's I know the first time I heard about, the lyrics. But that's not. It's not that. It's episode. at the end of. It's an end of an end of a different episode. That's yeah. really. Uh, too okay. Well. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, I am. I'm very pumped. I still hope that the next couple of weeks. Yeah, are fun. I hope we can get through these. That they're not too bad. And maybe maybe the person set up. Maybe the person lowered the bar so much that we're going to be like, "Hey, these are really good." We'll see. Um, we'll get some more, you know, adventures, and they got to go get more money and whatever else. What's the name of the character? Um, the new character, the pirate. We'll probably see her. Um, oh, for sure. Um, sassy. 
Yes, sassy. Uh, 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 Wanda Sykes. thinking of Wanda Sykes. It, or yeah. rather, rather, not Wanda Sykes. Not Wanda Sykes, but that's her, the that's character. Her character. <laughs> that sounds just like her for some reason. Um, okay. Hey, thanks for uh, chatting with me. I really, really enjoyed this episode. I've already watched it. I'll watch this again. If I was going to show somebody Bad Batch, I would be like, hey, this episode, you got to check that out. I, I honestly wish that we had got Trent to come on for this episode. Oh, he would have Because, man, this, this I, I don't know. It's it's so deep and so good. I just, yeah. I The weight has to be felt by somebody who's seen and appreciated Clone Wars, though. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so that reminds me. I need, to, I need to text Judd and see what he thinks about this. All right. Well, fantastic. Thank you again for listening. Jonathan, let you send everybody out of here. You can find us on iTunes, uh, <clears throat> Google Play. Uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, Radio.com, and Stitcher. Uh, does anyone use Stitcher? Uh, you can find mm. us at uh, 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 Facebook, Two Sons of Tatooine, as Nathan said earlier. Make a good lawyer name, Stitcher. Stitcher. Right. Stitcher and Hider, you know, I don't know. <laughs> or Stitcher and Buried. Stitcher like something like that. <laughs> like the law attorneys. Yeah. The Stitcher and Raider. Um, uh, you can find my YouTube channel, Jonathan Cohn, uh, all the books I talk about. Uh, mm. And until next time, I'm Jonathan. And I am Nathan, a.k.a. and Peeper. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tattoo.